0: Welcome to Carton's Inclusive Conversations podcast.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Carton's Inclusion Conversations. I'm delighted to be speaking to someone who is a catalyst in kick Carton's Inclusion Conversations and getting this launched. And his name is Phil Hockman. He currently is employed in Central Bucks School District, but Phil has diversified skills, which include a love and passion for technology, anything with ed tech. He's amazing. But that's not all, because he also has a passion for movement. And he is himself a health and physical education teacher, having taught all grades, K through graduate school at all levels. And he's a big proponent on wellness with graduate and undergraduate Courses and he's a firm believer in sharing his learning and passion with others. So Phil, welcome to Carton's Inclusion Conversations and seeing it through a different lens than perhaps you're accustomed to.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the the great introduction.
1: Well, that is just a reflection on who you are and to let our listeners know. So is there anything else you feel that our listeners should know about you?
0: I think you did a really nice job of covering it. I've been teaching for over two decades. I do a lot of work in the graduate level with course design and executing different people's plans. Got a couple of different courses under my own belt in the educational technology sphere. That's really my passion now is is working through how can we I would say change the way we deliver instruction from this one size fits all model to an individualized self-paced instruction model, which I believe is now possible with all the new things coming out with educational technology. I believe there's going to be a massive shift in the way that we deliver instruction to everybody. And I think it's important, including obviously the included population, but for the general population, basically giving every kid an IEP, giving every kid individualized education plan where they can work at their own pace and not just because they're born on a certain date, have to know a certain amount of stuff by a certain time, which is really an old-fashioned factory mass production model, which does work for some people, but is ineffective for many. It leaves a lot of Swiss cheese gaps in learning.
1: Wow, that was a mouthful, Phil. And it was so much veracity there in terms of our population. And that's our population. And this massive shift that you're talking about, and that one size fits all, never. One size, I say, frustrates all. Kids are going to bloom when they are ready, not like you said, on the birthday of when they're supposed to. Kids are who they are. And technology is something that I've noticed. Now, come on. I was kind of, I'm going to date myself a little here. When I was young, Etch-A-Sketch was technology, okay? That was state of the art. And there's nothing wrong with that. When I go back and think of that, I actually worked in a department store And in a place called Brooklyn, if anyone hears an accent of some sort, and I was selling the initial Pong games. That was technology. But then I think of our inclusion population and what you just said, a massive shift. And I have seen things that are amazing from getting a a wheelchair made out of the right PVC material to roll on the beach to getting students to have access to things, to hear it when they couldn't see it. And there's so many different possibilities that technology has. Yet I see some people now in this day and age also are afraid of it or think it replaces human interaction and relationships, things like that. What are your thoughts there?
0: Well, I mean, we're talking about a couple different things. Let's talk. I want to help you define some terms here. So, we talk about adaptive technology, which is designed specifically for the populations that require whether they have limitations with vision or speech or movement. There's a lot of great stuff out there. I work with a bunch of different. Student populations that have a, a variety of learning challenges and differences where they require whether it's an eye tracking system so they can speak or whether it's some other sort of accessory to help them move around, whether it's a gait trainer or walker. I, I work with you know a variety of students with, with a variety of different health challenges as well, whether in a respirator feeding tube. So you have all of those kinds of technology as well. My focus is on how do we, for everybody, whether it's, you know, someone who has any kind of learning difference or, you know, even if they're a more advanced, student, how do we get them to get feedback in a regular basis? Because education is really about how can we get appropriate, timely feedback to every single student in every single class on every single topic. And it's just not possible if there's one teacher, even if you're in a co-teaching model, even if you have an instructional aid, educational assistant, there's just not enough bodies in the room to possibly get every single student the feedback they really need to make transformative learning to really catch them up, especially when we've just been through the pandemic where there's obviously learning loss that's taking place. And technology, we try to use technology, whether it's a Zoom meeting like the one we're on right now, to try to keep them kind of in the loop so they didn't lose even more. But as we learned through all the data, there was a lot of learning loss in many areas. Now, some people did well. Some people didn't do as well with the Zoom meetings. But we learned, hey, we need that personal touch. We need that teacher in front of a student. But once again, how can we arm that teacher with more help than they've ever had before in the past? How can we make that teacher the most effective they can be, give them the most amount of data, give them things that can work as assistance for them at every level for every single kid. And now we're not even at the cusp. We're at the possibility where that can be done in every single classroom in America right now. But the shift, like I said, hasn't taken place yet.
1: Yeah, I I mean, my number one tech tip is technology is only the tool. So thank you for letting our listeners focus on that salient point. And the thing is that you mentioned timely feedback. You mentioned a lot about constructivism. You know, students still learning. And I think that that's an important point because there's been a lot of buzz specifically in the last, I would say, less than six months about AI, artificial intelligence. How do you see that as a role for students of exceptionality? And I'm talking about students who know more, students who know least. That's two parts of the bell curve, too.
0: Yeah. To give AI some context, you got to think about transformational changes in education over time. And we're talking over the last you know, 30, 40, 50 years, the calculator was a game changer for mathematics that was scaring people to death. At Oh my God, I have a calculator. What are they going to do about their basic math skills? We don't teach math anymore. I have a calculator. And we found out, yes, we still need to teach foundational skills, even if they have a calculator, at least still need to know how to do things. We get that. Then the next big boom was the internet. Oh my goodness. We don't have to teach road facts anymore. They they have the internet. They can just Google anything. And like, no, you still need to know the context and how things work together. And I think AI is that next shift. Now that we have a large language model, they're called, or you know, a generative large language model feeding off the entire wealth of information of the internet. And some of them are up to date. Some of them are capped at a certain year. We're just going to speak in generalities here. That they're able to generate a lot of the summative assessment that students already have to are given as their task. I can just make a five-paragraph essay or I can write a research paper, I can give it in MLA format. I can make mistakes, I can write it at a certain grade level. So how does it impact us as educators? What do we have to give as assignments if they can get it all done at home or get it all done with this one little app? How does it change and shift the way that we deliver instruction? Now, step aside from that is okay, how can I use this generative large language model, put guardrails on it so they're not searching inappropriate things, just like there's filters on the internet now. How do we keep them in the, in the lane we need them to be? Let's say learning about math or science or English, social studies, phys ed, whatever it is, health, music, whatever the topic is, how can I make sure this chatbot gives them exactly the feedback that I would have gave them as their teacher? And it can. It can if you give it good enough prompts and instruction, you train that model properly, you can individualize the chatbots. You now have an army of chatbots assisting every single student. So instead of raising their hand, stopping the entire class, and slowing the flow of the class, they can just ask a chatbot. And obviously they have to be at a level where they can read and write and think and think about this. So there's still that basic learning needs to, to take place. But later elementary, middle, and high school, this is going to be a game changer where every single student in whatever language they want to learn in. So you have students with different learn differences there, whatever, whatever level they're at. The goal here is to get them from point A to point B. Whatever they start at, get them better. Get them Maybe not every kid catches up to grade level, but you're going to make leaps and bounds above what can be done if they have one teacher, one instructional aide, maybe one EA in there. Now you have an army. Every single kid will get exactly what they need in real time to give them the feedback they need. Oh, this doesn't make sense. Well, how about you try it this way? And now there's models where they're not going to give them the answer. There's going to be models where they can give them, hey, look at this video. Check out this information. Read this passage. To help them to get to the thing, giving them the scaffolding built in that they would never normally get from a normal, traditional public school education. You're never going to get that from every single question you ever had being answered in real time without interrupting anybody else's learning. That's never happened before in education. That's what is possible right this minute with the right coding, with the right information, the right feedback.
1: Yeah, and I think that feedback is essential, but there also, and I think you'll agree with me, there needs to be regulation, there needs to be monitoring, there needs to be critical thinking skills on. Everybody's parts, the students, the teachers, the rationale for using something. I was just, we were having a conversation about the podcast, right? And you had shared a couple of sites that were forthcoming in AI. And one of them was that you could give a topic and a couple of academic vocabulary, and it would create a song in the style of your favorite musician. Well, that, I think that one was Rhyme Cool, if you remember. Well, Well, I mean, I was working in a middle school and it was the coolest thing, right? When they were creating one on linear equations and they were suddenly liking the math because it was a tool that helped attract their interest. The same way we do with the kid with an IEP with specially designed instruction and if tech is the tool that would do that, amazing. And it doesn't have to be high tech. We know it could also be low tech. I mean, I was using things like the auto summarization tool. And, and one of the English teachers, a secondary English teacher was debating, an ELA teacher. She said, well, they're going to pass it off as their own. So I say, great opportunity to teach code of ethics. And you have that set up and you have the actual one and the the one that's summarized, give them a highlighter, let them compare the two and let them do that. Some kids right. need to see it. Yeah. Right? They're gonna
0: use it, they're gonna use it whether or not you say that it's allowed or not. So understand this oh, is gonna be oh my
1: goodness. This, oh, yes.
0: This is gonna be a given. This is the hard part you have to swallow as an educator. Is they are gonna be using this tool, whether you like it or not, whether they're gonna use the internet at home, whether you like it or not. They're gonna find resources, and like you said, it's a tool a tool you use appropriately with any other tool in the world. I like to use what I like to call the magic marker analogy. And the magic marker analogy works like this. When we're talking about technology, I ask every single one of my participants in any one of my courses, do you have a magic marker in your classroom? And they're like, of course. And then I'm like, okay. That magic marker, at some point, there was no magic markers ever. And eventually you had magic markers. Is there magic markers like all over the walls, all over the chairs, all over the kids' hands, faces? And you're like, no. I was like, why not? Why isn't there magic markers everywhere in your entire classroom? Why isn't there a huge mess? Because somebody at some point told them not to do that. They gave them guidelines and guardrails to make sure they didn't misuse the technology that is now available to them. You brought up a great point about comparing the work that was generated by AI compared to an actual student's work. What what did you like better? What did you like different? That is an excellent use of AI. And once again, now using the higher order thinking skills, using the analysis, using that comparison, the evaluation tools, going up the Bloom's taxonomy with that. And This was a wonderful use of AI. But you also brought up another really good point. Another good point you brought up was individualized, personalized instruction. So now we can have this chatbot have a personality. We can make it sassy or funny. And they have a great, they do a great job of doing this. But you can tell it about the student's interest. And you can make every question ask. Kid likes sports? Make everything a, a football equation. Or your kid likes music? Make everything about a band or a song or whatever the personal interest you gotta You can load this information into wait this large language model. Wait a
1: second. Model. Are you saying it could productively help educators to plan their lessons
0: i wouldn't even say i would say beyond that not just the planning side which obviously it can do it can do all kinds of great things for planning i'm talking about delivering content deliver delivering feedback delivering things that would be normally boring and rote that we would have to think of examples for students and how much time
1: would it take that teacher to do that manually or the way he or she or they used to do it
0: yeah traditional ways it's unbelievable. If you really wanted to make an individualized quiz for every single student, it'd be undoable. It'd be there'd be, there'd be no no teacher would do that. No, it'd be a waste of time. But now and that like doesn't I said,
1: define DI either.
0: Right. Well, DI is generalization of this task. I'm going to give you a couple different options where you can choose. Now I can make it every single student just like your fingerprint or your DNA, I can individualize a lesson to every single person in that classroom that's never been done before in education. Now it is 100% possible with AI. You now, know why uh, what you're hold-
1: saying is, is also true. Um, I'm sorry for that interrupt, but I just no, thought of this with that. You know, like in IEPs with specially designed instruction, it might say they get a visual prompt or a verbal prompt or a gestural prompt Why can't this just be something that we were talking earlier about a type of prompt, but they still are the ones sometimes using it as the tool and they're generating the prompt, they're thinking as well with our guidance.
0: Yeah, you can you can wear the, the IEPs anywhere. But my point being is, IEPs will be meaningless. You won't need IEPs. the The end all be all goal is if everyone wait, has. Individ- you are
1: talking to to a special educator twice <laughs> the number of decades. Okay, you can never take away IEPs. They were for, for a <laughs> imagine, long time. I'll wait, fight imagine, you for that. No AI <laughs> is doing that.
0: So IEPs will be obsolete because every single student will be receiving an individualized education plan. Every kid will have an IEP. Every kid will have goals set for them, either by the teacher or regulated by AI, the teacher will manage and the teacher will be armed with information they would never have before in the past because they can see all of the information. They would be able to talk to the same chatbot. Hey, what are the kids' strengths? What are the kids' weaknesses? What do we need to focus on? What are some project ideas that I can do here? Here's some projects that we can do that would really meet the need of individual students or groups or however you want to phrase it. And everything will be laid out for you. Now, as the educator, as a professional, you have to monitor All this information, you got to make sure that it's actually legit and current. And there are some risks and downfalls. So I don't want to say it's all pie in the sky and perfect right now. AI is a work in progress. It is a learning tool. It is not perfect. There are still things called hallucinations where AI makes things up. It it Basically, the generative model is this. It wants to give you the answer it thinks you want to hear. And that can be absolute made up nonsense. But as they progress, as they realize and get feedback from people or from code or from There's also something called constitutional AI, meaning that there's AI that's generated with a certain set of guidelines and rules they cannot violate. So these different models are all based on doing it the right way. And the better they're getting, the less they're having hallucinations, the more accurate the information, and now they're being opened up to the web. So whether you're talking about ChatGPT 4.0, where it's using Bing as its primary source, we can literally search the web. It can give you the most up-to-date information that Bing can provide, and it will give you citations and sources right from that. So it's pretty wild what's available to you right now where you go with Google's Bard, which is now using the Palm 2 architecture, which gives you a lot of information through Google's most updated searches. So you're talking about the two biggest tech titans are the two leaders in the space. Now, there's some other third parties that are are they're doing good work, too. But these are the two titans that are really pushing the envelope here. And of course, the downside is there's always this factor of, okay, what do the students really need to learn now? That's really the big question I'm still, I still debate on. If they can generate all the summative assessments that we can think of that are what, what would normally make up the majority of anyone's grade in grades, I don't know, let's say six through 12, what are we teaching them? Like, What can we do now that they can start out with a really, really well done essay, a really, really well done project, a really, really done research paper? What can we generate more? Because that's just a starting point now, where well, that would normally be the end point of their educational goal. That's what they're going to produce by the time they reach 12th grade, this paper. They can start fifth grade with that paper. Now, how far can we go beyond that? Let's teach coding to every single student where they actually have someone who knows. Think about the, the lack of coding teachers in education. How many people do you know in your school district that you work at that can actually teach coding from scratch? A I can do it right now with every single kid. And now, once kids know how to code, they can build anything. They can build the world. Forget about just websites. They can build entire apps, games, entire worlds. They can solve all the problems of let's let's map out every cancer cell. let's let's talk about every single disease and let's let's break that down. We're talking about game changing life-changing things
1: you know so you're reminding me like when you're sharing this so many good things happened like when they broke the genetic code and, yeah, and mapping
0: the genome was huge
1: it's change it's moving in a direction and i like the way you put it it's kind of like you know we're still building the railroad tracks a bit you know, like we're
0: flying the plane while we're building the plane right now with AI. And that's the danger of it is what happens if it gets in the wrong hands? Cause it's open source. What happens if people use it for, for ill means ill gotten means, whether that's fake news information, yeah. upsetting things, of course, those are always concerns, but I'm going to try to focus this conversation on the positives. How can Thank this positively you. benefit educators and our students, of course, because I look at it, the duality there. I want to say, yes. how can we help teachers make our lives easier? We already have way too many things on our plate. We already we, we have a new program, a new product every single year, but guess what's happening? They're going to put AI built into windows. So there's no escaping it. It's going to be in windows at right. the, at the, at the, the Google, operating system level.
1: Google was the new thing. You know, I I'm from that day and age where prodigy was high tech, but those were all those times where some of our tech giants were doing things in the garage to build their business. You know, I think, We need to think about, I I have some inclusion principles and things that I talk about in terms of structure, awareness, compassion, collaboration, reflection. As far as our conversation about AI, technology, moving forward, feedback, all of these things and the massive shifts that are going on because of the technology, which of these do you think would be applicable? And it could be more than one as well.
0: What I think about immediately is the collaboration piece, because all these models are based on human interaction. They are generative models based upon us working with the AI or us working with each other in order to generate that. And I truly believe I have my own little taxonomy when I talk about teaching about technology. And there's the awareness level. A lot of teachers still have no idea what this stuff is. They've heard of chat, GPT, They've heard of Google Bard, but they don't know anything about it. So once you get them to aware, okay, what is this thing? It is a generative large language model where people can put in prompts and the prompts are the key. The better your prompt, the better your reply. And once you master how to do prompts, you get the best replies from it. Okay, so what kind of things can it do? You just have to bring them to that awareness level. There's a whole entire courses on how to do that. It's fantastic. So now that we're aware... How do I navigate? What are the buttons? How, what are the features? What are the things? How do, how, what's the user interface like? I have to learn how to use it. I have to get, actually get in there and start typing things in and playing with it a little bit. All right, that's cool. Once I get past that navigation feature, what's the next level? All right, let me explore. All right, let me explore, generate a whole bunch of stuff. Can it make? Can it write my curriculum for me? Sure, it can. Can it give me an outline for every lesson plan? Sure, it can. Can it use the national and state standards that I need? Sure, it can. Can it create every single test and quiz individualized for every single student? Sure, it can. All right, that's great. So that's utilitarian. Utilize it. How am I going to use it? How are my students going to use it? Now that they are using it, what do we have to create with it? What do we do differently now? Get to that final creation end standpoint. is the top of my own taxonomy. And that comes with any piece of technology. You're going to go through those different steps. So I have to be aware of it to even know about it. Then I have to know how to navigate it. Then I have to learn to explore throughout it. Then I have to figure out, okay, how do I use it? And then what can I create with this product, whatever the tool is. So the tool we're going to talk about here, obviously, is artificial intelligence. And this is the wildest one yet because it's so open ended. What it's going to now, and I think one of the end games is going to have here is it's called multimodal. It's any to any. It's the translation of I can put in a sound. I can put in words. I can put in text. I can put in an image. I can put in a video. And through the regenerative model, it's going to output in any of those things. So if I put in a sound, give me a picture of what the sound is. Or if I put in words, give me the sound that these words make. Or give me an image or a video that replicate the sound. So what this is going to do, is going to transform our ability. I think specifically the barrier to entry to making wonderful videos, wonderful books, wonderful anything. The creativity process. This is a creativity model. It's going to stop the barrier of I can't make, I don't know how to code, I don't know how to write, I don't want to make the video. It does it for you. You just have to have the ideas. And I think the United States does a great job in its educational system when coming up with great ideas. We are the idea capital of the world. We're not going to, we don't beat many other countries in standardized rote memorization tests. We're just not good at that. We don't put the time in, we don't put the effort into turning our, our students into robots and having to go to cram school after school. But what we do is we inspire creativity. And this is going to be the greatest tool for creators to create things that were never, ever possible because of the the barrier to entry was so high. You had to be so technically savvy. You'd have all these expensive machines. Not anymore. And the word is democratization. It doesn't matter. As long as you have a computer with the internet, it doesn't matter if you're the poorest kid or the richest kid, you get the same chat GPT. You get the same. If you go through the free version through Microsoft, you go through Bing, you're going to get the same amount of stuff that the richest kid in the world has and the poorest kid, and that levels the playing field for creativity for everybody. So it's not a pay-to-play issue anymore with this as of right now.
1: Thank you, because you have now let our listeners know that technology offers so much, and especially the AI, and keeping an open mind about it in terms of that. and I don't think it's artificial intelligence. I think if it is another intelligence that we could tap into the same way that I don't pick up the handheld encyclopedias anymore. And they were gospel at the time, right? It took a while to get rid of those things. You also brought to mind that peace and it's huge in our world, in our society, across cultures, equity, inclusion. It's not just for those kids. It's for everybody. And I thank you so much, Phil Hockman. You are a wealth of knowledge that you have shared with our listeners. And it, it was a pleasure seeing this side as opposed to, hey, Phil, I'm going to load this on our Google Drive, and here's another one that you're going to edit. And so- for the listeners,
0: just so you know, to give you some context, I'm also the editor and person who's posting these podcasts for you. So if you, if you didn't know that by now, now you do. So that's also another one, one of my uh, hats I wear here.
1: Is that all? Any other chapeaus that our listeners need to hear, Phil? Uh,
0: at this time, yeah. I think we did a really good focus on AI. But once again, we can always come back for conversations about movement education, another one of my passions. But I think we, t- we did a great job with taking a deep dive into AI, which I thought was a meaningful conversation.
1: Yeah. It was hard to narrow down a specific topic. And at this point, stay tuned because you're coming back. Thank you, Phil Ha.
0: Thank you. You can feel the stairs and hear the words unspoken Not so unaware of a world that thinks he's broken And who never even knew A kid with a different point of view No, they never really knew the kid with a different point of view. Copyright MMXXIII Cartons Inclusive Conversations. Thank you for listening. Check out other episodes on all major platforms.